Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. Today we're in the second week of our series called The Church. So last week we started off by just answering the question of why. Why do we do church? What is the point of church? What is, what is the purpose of church? Why do, you, why do you come on a Sunday morning when it's beautiful outside and you come in and you sit in here with us? Why do we do this thing called church? What is the whole point? And the church, in its most simple form, exists to bring glory back to God. That, that's what we discovered last week. The most simple definition, the most simple definition of the purpose of the church is to point back to God, to point back to Jesus. It's not to point to myself or to anybody else. It's to point back to God in everything that we do. And we can do that, we can point back to God by living like Jesus, which would then lead people to Jesus. That that was what we talked about last week. And if you missed it, you can watch it on our YouTube or our podcast. And um, uh, another great question that the church needs to ask itself our church should always be asking itself is this, are we actually having an impact on the world around us? Like, are, are we making a difference? What, what impact do we have? Is there any impact? What, what, what does it actually look like? Are we helping people? What are we doing beyond ourselves? Do we even think about people beyond ourselves? Or are we just going to be a church that's just so focused on us? And we talked about last week the difference, like a lot of times churches fall into either a seeker-sensitive church or a disciple-making church, and the seeker-sensitive church is so focused on the unchurched that, that sometimes we can, we, can lead, we can ignore what happens inside the church in an attempt to appeal to the world, that we can lose ourselves, and then a disciple-maker church can be so focused on us that we lose sight of the outside world, that we lose sight of anybody who is not inside of these walls. So today we're, we're asking the question, what impact are we making? Is there an impact that we are making? And maybe this idea of impacting the world around us is foreign, foreign to you. Maybe you've never even considered what it would look like to be intentional on impacting others. Maybe you have, maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't even know if you can have an impact. Maybe you're like, ah, yeah, sure, the church, but like, I, I don't have an impact on people. I, I'm not really in a position. I, my personality doesn't lend itself to, to actually having an impact on other people. Um, it, it, can be, it can be difficult because to impact something means to have, an, uh, to have an effect or an impression made on somebody else, and it would cause change in their life. It would cause change, and that change could be something that could be positive, or that change could be something that could be negative. It can go both ways. When we talk about having an impact, it can be a good impact, or it can be a bad impact. And the church has the same opportunity to have a positive impact, or the church could have a negative impact. We know that to be the case. And when we look at how most of the world views Christians it seems like we've had more of a negative impact than a positive one, if we're being honest. And now, some of that could be fair, some of that could be unfair, right? There are stereotypes involved, but I think that the church has definitely played a role in having a negative impact on people. 
For example, um, I remember before I was a pastor, actually the last job that I had before I, before I started working as a part-time middle school pastor, way back when I was 19 or 20 or whatever it was, um, I was working as a waiter at Don Pablo's Mexican restaurant in Colombia. And actually, I, I only worked there for like a month and I had just finished training, and then I was offered a job at the church that I went to work at. So I was like, peace, and I was out, right? <laughs> so it was, I was only there for a short period of time. But I remember when I was working there um, and, and waiting tables that whenever the schedule would come out, nobody wanted to work Sunday afternoon. People were like, no. Now, now today's Mother's Day, so a lot of us are going to be going to lunch after this or brunch after this, right? Um, and that's typically what a lot of people do after church. But when I was working, and it may just have been that particular location that I was in. I don't know if this is the case everywhere. But when I was working at Don Pablo's, I remember nobody wanted to work Sunday afternoon because you dealt with people who complained and you dealt with people who didn't tip well. Just giving you the facts, okay? <laughs> we know that Sunday afternoon often is uh, people coming after church. So in that particular situation, I remember being like, oh, we are not necessarily having the most positive impacts on the world around us because nobody wanted to be around us. Like nobody wanted to work with us. Nobody wanted to, to, to wait on us. It was not a good, a good situation. And you, you've had examples in your life, I'm sure, where you've encountered people who have negative view of the church, fair or unfair. Doesn't, doesn't really matter if it's fair or unfair. It's still their perception of church. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? See, we've, we've all done something that had a negative impact on the people around us. You've done that in your life. You've, you've influenced somebody the wrong way at some point or time. So how do we know if we're having an impact on somebody, let alone a positive one? That's really the question that we're trying to answer for the church but it's also the question that you and I need to answer for ourselves individually, because as we've talked about, you are the church. Now, the weight of the church and the weight of the world is not on your shoulders, but you are representing the church. So because you're representing the church, we need to ask ourselves, how am I doing in that? Is it positive or is it negative? See, a meteor is something that we would say has an impact on our world, right? Like, like if a meteor hits, it's powerful. It can change the landscape of the earth. It could change the landscape of, of, of planets. It can leave an impression. But did you know, I didn't know this until I was writing the sermon, did you know that actually thousands of meteors hit the earth every day? I didn't know that. Thousands of meteor, meteors hit the earth every day. But the problem is, or maybe not necessarily the problem, the good thing is, that they're so small that they really don't have an impact, right? They're not, they're not actually, we don't know. We don't even notice them. They're just kind of there. It happens. Thousands of the meteors are hitting the earth, and we don't even know because it, it isn't powerful. It is actually making no impact in our life, and that's how the church feels in a lot of ways. There are thousands of churches. I mean, just on this street alone. I don't know if you know this, just, just walk down the street. There are plenty of churches on this street. Everywhere that you go, there are churches. If you've ever been in the Midwest, right, Chuck? There are more churches than people, I think, in the Midwest, 
right? Now, that may not be the case here, but like there are so many churches. Are we even having an impact or are we just one of the thousands of meteors that we don't even know exist? Do, do peop, are people even aware of us? And if they're not, then, then, then we're not having a positive impact. We're not having a negative impact. We're having zero impact. It's a, it's a difficult place to be. So then we have to ask ourselves, okay, we, we've established we want to make an impact and we want it to be positive. How do we know if we're making an impact? Here's what we need to ask as the church. Here's what, here's what we need to look at as a church to help us know if we're actually making an impact. Are we growing? Are we multiplying? Is there, are, are we influencing others? Because last week we simplified things, right? So first we simplify, we simplify things by saying our only job is to glorify God. And when we glorify God, we will see results from that. That's where, but that, it has to start there, okay? We're bringing glory to God. First we simplify, then after we simplify, we multiply. That, that's the direction that we have to go in. Are we multiplying? Now if you know me, then, then you know that I hate math, okay? I so suck at math, okay, just so you know. Not good at all. It's not, it's not my forte. And I remember having to do those multiplication tables in elementary school. I don't know if you, uh, what? What's wrong with you? You're fired, okay? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I remember, <laughs> she's not, you're not. <laughs> I remember having to do those multiplication tables in elementary school and hating them, okay? My daughter's now in first grade, and I'm like having PTSD, okay, because she's coming home, and she, and she has these, this, ma- this math homework, and every time I look at it, now she's not into multiplication yet, it's just addition, and I'm still struggling, okay? And so she brings this home, be- and here's why I'm struggling. I can add, okay? I, I, can, do, I can do simple math. Don't, don't think I can't do first grade math. It's just so confusing the way that it's all laid out. It's like, well, if Johnny has three quarters, and then Sally has, and, and it's adding up, and the, most times I don't even do quarters, it's like penguins and stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. And so I'm trying to navigate through first grade math, and the multiplication of it all, the addition of it all, the subtraction of it all, I'm struggling, and I'm trying to figure it all out, right? Sometimes when we look at, look at the church, and we think, how can the church grow? How can the church multiply? We try to complicate it so much, and we, we try to make it so unique, right? We try to make it feel so, so theological that we're like, no, this doesn't need to be that complicated. This can be simple. That we, we simplify first, and once we get back to the basics, which is glorifying God by living like Jesus to lead people to Jesus, once we get back to those basics, then we multiply. That's what we need to focus on. But true impact happens when we see multiplication taking place. Now, whenever people ask me how church is going, they always ask me, how many people come? How many people show up? And um, I, don't want you to, to, I, don't, I don't want you to think that, one, we view you as a number, because the true health and vitality of a church is not determined by Sunday morning attendance, just so you know. It, do, it doesn't mean it's meaningless, but the true health of a church is not determined by butts in the seats, okay? Because I don't, I don't really, I'm not really interested in you just coming, sitting here, and then leaving. I don't, I don't know if you know that. 
I'm glad you're here, but I'm not really interested in passive participation. This church is not interested in passive participation. This church is interested in active participation. And when, what, how we know that somebody is actively participating is when you attend more than just Sunday morning, is when you are involved in a community group, when you begin to serve, when, when, you, when you attend other ministries like a men's ministry or a women's ministry or you're part of the softball team, or you, whatever it is, when relationships are being built. But if you just come in, sit, and then leave, I'm glad you're here. But there's more to it than that. And when we, if we're only worried about how many people walked in our doors on a Sunday morning, then we're missing the target. We're missing it. Because there are megachurches that have thousands of people come that are not healthy. So it's not, it's not determined by the amount of people. But there is value in it. So we do track those things. We do track how many people come. We also track how many people fill out new visitor cards, how many people attend a community group, how many people are involved in ministries, how many people are serving, how many people are tithing. We track all of those numbers. We actually have, I'm giving you, I'm pulling, I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit. We have something that's called a church growth calculator here at City on a Hill. And this is all for myself and the staff and the board, but I'm letting you know, okay? And we put a value on different things. For example, if you attend Sunday morning, which is great, it's worth two points. Mm -hmm. It's like a layup, right? <laughs> For two points. But if you get baptized, it's worth eight points. If you accept Jesus in your life, it's worth ten points. Now, we don't, we don't assign these to individuals, this is, a, this is for the home, and I've debated when I want to talk about this, because I don't want people to feel weird about this. This is just for us. You're fired again. <laughs> this, is, this is just for us <laughs> to track our growth as a church. I want to know if we are growing in a healthy way. And I believe that the best way to know whether or not we're growing in a healthy way is not by Sunday morning attendance, but by how many people know Jesus and by how many people are interacting with Jesus, by how many people are involved in a relationship with Jesus. That's what I want to know. So we have a whole list of things, and we assign different point value to it, and then at the end of the month, we can look, and we can see how many points we got that particular month, and we can look back and be like, why was April so great? What happened in April? What did we do differently there? We focus on those things. It gives us, it gives us an idea of whether or not we are actually having an impact. Because we do not exist to be a meteor that nobody knows ever existed. That's, that's not our, our purpose. So don't want you to think that you're a number. Not by any means. But I do want you to know that I care about your growth as a Christian. As a pastor, a lot of times you go to pastor meetings. Okay, We had one this past Friday. And uh, you meet with other pastors and we're part of a district and all that sort of stuff. And, and one particular meeting I remember a number of years ago that I went to, um, the, our district superintendent, who's, who's my boss, um, he went around the whole room and had every lead pastor just give an update as to what's going on in your church. And there was like, I don't know, 12, 12 churches represented there. And each person goes and, and they say, well, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And one pastor I remember in particular a few years ago, he stood up and he said, well, our church has nine people. And, um, and with those nine people, that's just who we're focused on. 
we, we're just focusing on these nine people, and, uh, and we don't really care about anything else. We just, we just want to build these nine people. And he was totally missing the point. Now, I'm not saying that you ignore the nine people that you have, but his focus was on those people alone. And if we get so focused on ourselves and who we already have that we ignore anyone else who doesn't know Jesus, then we are not only doing a disservice to our church, but we're doing a disservice to the community around us. We're missing the mark. True impact happens when multiplication takes place. And the early church in the book of Acts is the best example of this. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, just like Joel prophesied, and, and Jesus said what happened. And then once this happened, the church changed forever. Forever. If you've never read the book of Acts, I would encourage you to read it. It is a really, really cool story and a really cool picture of how the early church got started. After Jesus came, had his ministry, was crucified, resurrected, and then ascended into heaven, this is after that. And then the disciples are starting the early church. So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read verses 42 through 47. We see something really cool and a really good picture of, of the impact of the church. Sorry, it's a little bit hard to read. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You may be asking yourself, who is they? They is the church, just people, people who are part of the church. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's different? You may read that and be like, that doesn't feel like church as I know it. Maybe, maybe you do in, in certain ways, but I don't think that many churches in our world today reflect this. I don't know how good of a job we're doing. So what's different about the early church, and how did they multiply? Because it says at the end, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So here's, here's, here's what I think was different about them from, from this passage in particular. First thing is this. They were devoted. They, they were committed. We have to be devoted. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we want to have an impact. You want to have an impact. You have to be committed to it. You have to be devoted to the work that it takes to go forward. Devoted to change. Devoted to sacrifice. Devoted to people. Devoted to love. Devoted to Jesus. See, devoted and committed can kind of go hand in hand, right? So, and, and we're using that word devotion because the word commitment is one that we don't really like. A lot of us have a fear of commitment. Maybe, maybe that's why you got married later in life. I don't know. You're like, ah, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big commitment to make. I don't know if I want to do that. We, we have this, 
this worry when it comes to being committed to anything. And this is a word, commitment, that does not carry a lot of weight in our world today. The word commitment is like, I'll be committed for now until I decide that I no longer want to be committed. That, that's really how we look at our commitments a lot. Of, now, maybe not you, and I hope that that's not you, but a lot of us in our world today, we, we are devoted and we are committed as long as it fits. But the minute that it doesn't, we're willing to compromise it. Our word, in other words, doesn't really mean a whole lot. Our word doesn't carry that much weight. I hope that it does for you, but if you're going to say that you're going to do something, then do it. If you say yes to something, then be committed. Now, I understand that emergencies come up, life happens, sometimes things, sometimes plans do need to change. And I'm not talking about those situations. Sometimes that just is what it is. Sometimes your car breaks down, right? But I'm talking about on the flip side, when you commit to something and you say, yes, I will do this, or I will be there, or, or I will participate, and then it gets a little closer and then somebody else says, hey, do you want to go do this with me? And you're like, well, I have that commitment tomorrow, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will absolutely go. Because my word means nothing, right? I don't, I don't really want to be that devoted. I'm devoted until something better comes up. And then I'm no longer devoted, and now I'm devoted to this newer, funner, better thing. That's the way we go about our commitments. And, and when we look at the early church, we, we see their devotion to it. I remember when I was a kid, and um, I, I played baseball my whole life. I, I'm coaching my daughter in t-ball right now, and it is terrible, but I'm doing it. And I, lo I, love, I love hanging out with my daughter, but whoo it's difficult. So, but I remember as a kid playing baseball, and, and, and one year in particular, baseball is like my favorite. I, it's, there's nothing better to me sport-wise than baseball. It's my favorite. Yep. It's great, Kevin. Love it. Um, and so when I was a kid, there was one particular year where I was just being a punk, and I was just like, you know what, Dad, I hate baseball. I don't want to play. And my dad, who also loves baseball, he didn't get mad at me. He didn't yell at me. But what he said was, well, Shane, the season's already started. And you said you wanted to play. You made a commitment to playing. So you're going to finish out the year. And then next year, if you decide that you don't want to play, you don't have to play. And I remember being furious with him. I just didn't want to for whatever reason. I don't know why. I was a kid. Kids say things that they don't always mean. And I was just like, I just don't, I don't want to do this. And he said, okay, that's fine, next year. But you have to fulfill your commitment. And I remember being so angry and frustrated with him, being like, I can't believe it. He doesn't want me to have any fun, right? He doesn't care. And then, of course, we finished out the season, and next year rolls around. And my dad said, Shane, do you want to play baseball? I said, yeah, I do. Because in the time, in the moment, I didn't even remember saying the year before that I didn't want to play baseball. Because I made a commitment. He said, whatever commitment you make, you have to follow through with. And I think that that's lost on our world today. See, devotion only looks one way. Either you're devoted or you're not. There is no in-between here, friends. No in-between. There's no, yeah, I'm kind of devoted to my spouse. 
Either you're devoted to your spouse or you're not. Because if you're kind of devoted to your spouse, you're not devoted to your spouse. If you're kind of devoted to your relationship with Jesus, you're not devoted to your relationship with Jesus. If you're kind of devoted to growing and praying and getting to know him more, you're not. It's either you are or you aren't. Because also says in the book of Revelation, those who are lukewarm, I will spit you out. There's no in-between. No in-between. So we have to make a decision. Are we committed to the church? Are we committed to Jesus? Are we committed to having an impact? Or are we kind of? When, when, it, when it's convenient. So beyond that, um, beyond just being devoted to, to, to the church, the early church, what were they devoted to specifically? So we talked about, as people, being devoted to Jesus. But the early church, they were devoted to a few things specifically. The first thing that, that they were devoted to is this. They were devoted to growing. They were devoted to learning. See, are you devoted to knowing Jesus more? That's, that's really the question. Are you devoted to changing what needs to be changed in your life? Or, or are you just kind of like, yeah, I know Jesus and I want to know Jesus and I'm just going to leave it at that. Are you a bare minimum sort of person? Or are you actually all in? See, we like the idea of this, of, of growing, of being educated, of learning, but very few of us are actually devoted to it. Very few. See, church, devotions, prayer, and scripture, it all gets put on the back burner because it's always there. And we talked about this last month a little bit too, the week after Easter, how, how, how we just put those things on the back burner because I've got other things I have to do. I have other things that I have to take care of. And we justify not being devoted to growing because we are just too busy doing. I can't grow because I'm doing other things. I can't learn because I'm busy with other things. And I know we all have got a full plate. I, I totally understand that. Little league, events, activities, work, deadline, whatever. You can give me your whole schedule. I know it. But here's the thing. If you aren't learning, you aren't growing. There's no way around it. I told you that I don't like math. I also don't enjoy school. I don't like reading. Don't, I hope I'm inspiring confidence in you as your pastor. I don't enjoy any of those things. <laughs> but, but I still do them at times. Because I understand that I still need to grow. I still need to learn. You know what else I didn't enjoy doing? I didn't really enjoy reading my Bible. Even as a pastor, I didn't always enjoy it. And even as a pastor, I still don't always enjoy it. But I got to a place in my life where I was like, I better be in this thing. I, I got to know this. I have to spend time in this. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean that, that, I, that I don't invest in it. Just because it's not fun to me doesn't mean that I just ignore it because if I ignore it, then I'm never going to grow. If, if, I'm not, if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. So I built practices in my life. I said, I, I need to at least be in the Bible once a day. Doesn't mean that I'm always perfect. 
Chase knows. Where's Chase at? Chase knows. Yep, <laughs> Chase knows. Chase is, just so you know. He's always on it because we all read the Bible together. But it doesn't mean that, that we're always perfect. But it does mean that we've now built practices into our life that are a part of our life. And now, I'm not like, oh, i got to read my Bible. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy it. It's a part of my life. Been committed to it, devoted to it. If we are going to be devoted to, to church, to Jesus, then we have to be devoted to growing. Have to be devoted to learning. See, commit yourself to that learning. Commit yourself to discovering more about Jesus. How crazy is it that we discover the greatest gift in the world and then we're just like, cool, now I'm just going to go back to everything else I know. Now I'm just going to go back to everything else that I've been doing my whole life. Great, oh yeah, Jesus, cool. You saved my life, you were crucified, you're resurrected, all those things, cool, that's great. I, yes, I accept. Now I'm just going to go do everything else. Don't we want to know more about this Jesus person? Don't we want to know more about the creator of the universe who created you and created me? Don't we want to know more about God? Don't we want to have a better, deeper relationship with him? It's, it's wild to me that we get to a place where we just say, yeah, I don't really care that much. We should be devoted to it. The next thing we should be devoted, de- devoted to, first growing. Next thing is this. We should be devoted to people. 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 Do, are you devoted to people? Now, for all the introverts in the room, you're like, nope. <laughs> I get it. Nope, I'm not. Okay, I get it. I get it. I'm an extrovert, so I don't know how you feel. Um, but we want to multiply. We have to be devoted to people. I mean, this is obvious for the church, right? We want the church to grow, of course, except many Christians are not actually devoted to this. They're devoted to certain people. The church is devoted to people who fit into this nice little box. We're devoted to people who, who know how to act in church. We're devoted to people who, who don't embarrass us in church. We're, we're devoted to people who, who behave within the context of which we expect them to behave, even though they don't know the context which we expect them to behave. Right? We're, we're devoted to that. But the minute that anybody walks into our doors that doesn't fit, hmm, pastor, what are you going to do about that person? I don't like the way that they, that they sit in the back pew. If you're sitting in the back pew, I'm not talking about you. But if, I don't like the way <laughs> that they sit in the back pew. I don't like the way that they're on their phone the whole time. I don't like the way that they smell like cigarettes before they walk in. I don't like the way that they talk. I don't like fill in the blank. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm so happy to be the pastor of this church because I rarely get this. Rarely. But it does happen sometimes. And I've also been a part of previous churches where it happened much more often. And I think that the thing is, the longer that we are a church, the more dangerous of a possibility this is. Because we get used to what we know. We get used to to what we like. And if somebody else doesn't fit into that, we're not devoted to that person. I'd rather be devoted to to people who look like this over here. It's a dangerous, slippery slope to go down because 
People that aren't too messy or people that aren't too difficult, those are the people that, that we want to bring in. But the really messy people, the people who, who really challenge me and, and those extra grace required people, mm, I don't know. It's not comfortable. It's, 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 not, it's not what I like. And when someone goes through a tough time and, and we say things like, hey, I'm here for you, you better be there for them. You better be there for them. But more times than not, if somebody were to actually call us as you're climbing into bed on a Friday night and say, hey, I need you, more often than not, we're not doing that. Now, I'm not saying to let people use you, but we need to support one another. We need to pick each other up. And the early church in Acts, do you know what they did? They sold their possessions when somebody else was in need. That's what they did. You know what else they did? They ate together daily. They saw each other all the time. See, a, the sign of a healthy church is when people do life together. That's the sign of a healthy church. Not, not just, hey, I see you on Sundays and I'll see you again next Sunday, but rather when, when we have relationships with one another, when we support one another, when we know what's going on in somebody's life, when we know that you have a family member who's sick, when we know that you have a daughter who just had a dance recital, when we know that you, that you just had an interview for a new job, and we, and we pick each other up, we pray for each other, we check in with each other, we love each other, be devoted to each other. Not just your family, not just the people that you like. Be devoted to people because guess what? You may be all right, but other people may not be. There may be somebody else around you right now who has nobody in their life that they feel like they can turn to. Just because you do doesn't mean that you ignore everybody else. Be devoted to them. We say that, 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 we're, that we're a family here. If we're going to be a family, then we've got to pick each other up. We've got to support each other. We've got to love each other. We have to be devoted. And if a church is going to have an impact, then the best way that we have an impact is when people see the way we love each other. That's the best way. Not, not, by, not by what we preach, not, not by what the things that we say, but by the way we love. Bottom line. And that's, that's on all of us, not just myself. All of us. And then finally, the last thing that they were devoted to was prayer. We want to have an impact? We better be praying. Because guess what? We are not actually the people having an impact. Rather, Jesus is. The creator of the universe is. God is the one who's having an impact. We're just merely the tools. Through us is, is the way that God works. So if we're actually going to have an impact to the level that the early church in the book of Acts had, we have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. We have to be in communication with God. We have to be praying. Do not take prayer for granted. This is, this is the, I think, the number one thing that we take for granted is prayer. Do not take it for granted. You literally have a direct line to the creator of everything, and we take it for granted. We, we're just like, yeah, whatever. A direct line to Jesus. You don't need to go through me. You don't need to go through your spouse or anybody else. You have a direct line to the one who created everything, 
who made everything, who loves you, who sacrificed for you. You have a direct line to him, and we just ignore it. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable that, that we miss this. We see multiplication happen and impact happen when and only when God is involved. It's the only time. Now, we may see multiplication in the worldly sense, but that's not what I'm interested in. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in looking good in the world's eyes. I'm not interested in, in being a church that has thousands of people that come and, and so that people can look at us and be like, wow, look how big that church is. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. What I care about is whether or not people know Jesus. That's it. And the more people that know Jesus, the better. But if we have more people and they don't know Jesus and we aren't leading them back to Jesus, that's a problem. But you and I together, us together, as the church, be devoted to God. Be devoted to growing. Be devoted to people. Be devoted to prayer. That's exactly what the early church in the book of Acts did, and God was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That's the privilege we have. So I'm going to invite the worship team up as we, as we close. And, and I want you to ask yourself this question, okay? I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you actually committed, not, not to city on a hill, not to me, are you committed to your relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question. Are you devoted to it? And if you are, what are you doing to follow through with it? That's really the question that we're asking ourselves. If we're willing to slow down and say, God, there's nothing more important than you. Jesus, you, you are it. There are important things in this world. None of them come before Jesus. None. But it's your decision. It's your choice. And if you're going to say that you are committed, then be committed. Let your word mean something. Don't just tell us, show us. And it's not even us. Don't just tell God, show God. Have that impact in a way where you're not just one of the thousands of meteors that hit the earth and nobody knows, but rather when you have an impact, it is obvious. Not because of you, but because of him. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.